Hello and welcome back to a special edition of the Chris Ye podcast. I am, as always, Chris Ye. And this is a special edition because Mental Samurai did something unusual. It aired two episodes in one week. So we put out the Samurai signal. And once again, my faithful broadcasting partner, Dr. Ken Franklin, is here. Present and ready for duty. Well, I think we were speculating last week why they would show two episodes in one week and i did the calculation i think you are correct because if they have a 10 episode season by showing two episodes this this week they will be able to finish right before the olympics begin well that would make perfect sense and uh they want to get the most possible uh, uh viewership out of this and you know obviously i'm a fan of the show i know you are chris and I continue monitoring the ratings of the show. The ratings have been good, but not spectacular. But that's probably good enough, given their longstanding relationship with both Rob Lowe and the producers of the show. Right. Well, I obviously, I'm rooting for a season three. Absolutely. That's Same for, here. For, that's for completely selfish reasons. There are many selfish reasons, uh, but that is okay. You also noticed something fascinating. We were talking right before we started recording that you saw in the end credits of the show. What was it that you saw? Yeah, um, as we talked about in a couple of episodes ago, uh, when they only had five instead of six, and we speculated that that was because so many of them got nine or qu 10 questions right, that they cut one out for time. Well, in the fine print at the end uh, of the credits, it states all episodes included six contestants the five new ones plus the returning champion, but they reserve the right to uh, edit out one of the contestants if needed to for time's sake. And that's obviously what they did because um, in the Tuesday's episode and this one last night, they didn't get near to the point where they had to do cutting. Matter of fact, there was, I sensed there was a little padding in this episode, a lot of banter between Rob and the uh, players. And I think that's because we had some pretty rapid performances in the episode, given right. the number of questions answered correctly, and that probably contributed. It's also the case that you feel a little bit for the person who got cut. Hopefully, they still got paid. Technically, with these game shows, they don't have to pay you if the show doesn't air, although hopefully they did. But the other thing is the message to that competitor, whoever they were, is out of everyone who went this week, you were the least interesting. Well, either that or they completely embarrass themselves and they give them a little bit of grace. Yeah. I know how I true. know how being em embarrassed on TV looks. So, well, Ken, embarrassed on TV is when you fail to get Hall and Oates after five minutes <laughs> of going back and forth like poor Frankie. Uh, I suspect that if you have a flame out, they're probably going to put it on the air. They're only going to cut something that's sort of nondescript, right? All right. Well, let's go ahead and dive in. So this is just to set the scene from Tuesday's episode. We had a new mental samurai. Scott Perry was defeated by Wes Chang, who it turns out we actually have um, some mutual friends in common. So I'm working hard to get Wes on the show on this show, that is to speak, say. And Wes was facing off against a fresh crop of contestants and contestant number one was Devin Collins, a stilt walker. So yeah, he was going to he was going to set the bar high. <laughs> <laughs> well, what did you think of Devin's performance? Well, I tell you what, um, the, he had problems with the very first question, which was again my favorite, the scrambled word, uh, and Prince took him a minute thirty eight. Uh, 
And that completely shook him. And then he was too slow the rest of the time. He was very unsure of himself. And he only got through five questions in four and a half minutes. And this was the case. I was tearing my hair out because it took him a long time to get that first question, Prince. He should have gotten it right away. At one point, Rob said, Ava, jiggle some sense into him, a move that Rob actually pulled out a couple of times later on in the episode. And the crazy thing was, you would think after the first question, after having taken up so much time, he would try to speed up, but he didn't. No, he was going very deliberately the whole way through. Smiling face. But, you know, he was, he was just looking to get each 500 that he could. And again, I cannot understand that. But uh, I did, as opposed to last episode, manage to go and do my little internet research on the competitors this time. And mm-hmm. Devin is a stilt walker, but he is also a musician and dancer and choreographer. And interestingly enough, when he was still a teenager... He opened for Shaka Khan, Dionne Warwick, and Roberta Flack. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's pretty impressive. impressive. I, yeah. And uh, speaking of impressive, I was impressed by how Rob was very gracious with this guy. He yes. described his run as, as impressive, he, uh, an excellent run, even though that would be a stretch of an adjective to place on it. Well, it was very frustrating. I was tearing my hair out, but it wasn't a flame out. It wasn't a missed it on the first question, struggled to get something. Uh, It was one of those things where given how slow he was when the memory question came up that ultimately tripped him up, I was like, I know he's going to fail this one. Right. And one other thing I noticed about this, um, one of the questions that I faced in season one was when chunks of the word were floating around and you were trying to um, put them together. I don't think that's happened more than once in this entire season, but they have had the names of people scrambled like the Prince question. Yeah, that came up a couple of times today as well, or this episode. And I agree, I didn't, I don't remember seeing the floating names this season. Although, of course, I think your memory is, is better even than mine in this case. But still, Devin ended up with five questions, $2,500, somehow in the snail-like pace of four minutes, 25 seconds. Right. Now, next up was Jeff Vaughn, a a professional poker player. Now, Jeff was one of these guys that we root for because he was mature. He was 63 years old. Yes, finally, a truly mature individual. Yes, I was was proud and, and rooting for him, too. I had a lot of high hopes for him starting out. Now, he seemed a little nervous. He was gripping the chair very tightly, a feeling I'm very familiar with. But what I liked about what was going on was, you know, he really seemed like he was a strong competitor. He wasn't wasting any time. He was going right after the questions. And, of course, in the thing that has been my whole pet peeve, number one axe to grind of the season, he came to gridlock. And he did exactly what he should do, left to right, top to bottom. He even yep. described it, found it, no hesitation, boom. But, but, and he also commented that that took him too long Yes, uh, as he was going to the next question. So he clearly was aiming for a brief time. And Devin had answered five questions in four minutes, 25 seconds. Jeff answered five questions in two minutes, seven seconds. So that mm-hmm. is a massive difference. Exactly. But he got caught up on on pop culture. Now, let me ask you, Dr. Ken, did you know that answer? By Felicia? Oh, yeah. Yes. 
As a matter of fact, one of the uh, regulars at our game nights here uh, was a young lady whose first name was Felicia. And every time somebody used that, her, you know, the, her eye roll could be heard for miles. So yeah, I was, I was tuned into that answer. Now, this is one where I was like, I'm not sure this is necessarily an age thing per se, because Friday itself is now a classic movie. I mean, it goes back two decades or so. And I think it's more of the case that, you know, again, Friday is pr a primarily African-American cast. I don't know if this was something that Jeff had really spent a lot of time watching in his life. I did not know that by Felicia was from the movie Friday and I have didn't even know the movie Friday existed. I just knew that the, the phrase had become quite a meme. Ah, well, that's where it comes from. It comes from the classic movie Friday starring Ice Cube and by Felicia is a meme that's used quite a bit as a result of that. Yep. So good run by Jeff. Any further comments on Jeff? No, it doesn't. I, I think again, I empathized with his approach. He wasn't looking for chatter he was getting it done and out there and um obviously that's my preferred playing style myself yeah and i felt like again strong player it just happened to be he ran into a question where due to age or cultural considerations he just didn't know the answer exactly now next up was jillian gloria an aspiring astronaut reminding mm -hmm. ourselves of our, our pal, the actual astronaut, Astro Clay. Mm -hmm. And it was funny because, you know, it really permeated her performance and banter. She was telling uh, Rob Lowe, hey, copy that. And she was really looking forward to Ava because she's like, this is going to be great training. So I thought she, she was really charismatic. Oh, yeah. She was chastising Ava for not being uh, speedy enough in between questions, which would be my intention if I ever faced her again. Now, Jillian was not maybe as blazingly fast as Jeff. It did feel like there was that astronaut thing where you're very, very careful about things. So exactly. she was double checking her answers. But on the other hand, she knew that she just had to beat five to get on the board. That being said, I would have been like, knowing the competition, you probably need to go faster than that. That being said, uh, she was pretty quick on some things like Taylor Swift. She got that right away. That's mm -hmm. right in the age range. And she knew that she needed six and she took her time to get that question right. So she right. got through seven questions and then boom, she hit one of the, uh, what do we call it? A rebus, a saying, They're, those have right. been killing a lot of people. Yeah. And again, you just either know it or you don't, uh, you know, the ball is in your court. If you talk about, she was doing the right approach, which was yeah. describing what she saw, but if, and if she said in a courtroom, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um, you know, if you, if you happen to trigger on ball and courtroom, you could get there. Uh, also, a couple things back there. Uh, I noticed, uh, again, one of the memory questions where there wasn't an instant easy way to describe the six packages. She had six presents, mm -hmm. each of which was a different color. Uh, the number one package was, you know, it was... A slightly off yellow. Well, you don't have time to say slightly off yellow, but she got it right. And that was good. Also, uh, I was uh, reminded of something from my medical days. She had the sequence repeat where you had three pictures and then Ava said four things and you had to repeat those four things back. Uh, memory sequence is part of a mental status examination. When you're screening people for Alzheimer's and dementia, you would say a, a sequence and have them repeat it, or you'd say a sequence and have them repeat it backwards. 
So four objects in a row is considered normal behavior. So again, it's not a very challenging one if, as long as you're focused. Um, but I'll come back to that as we get on to one of the other contestants. Got it. Very interesting. Well, maybe that means that Mental Samurai is providing some useful mental training to the people who are watching. Yeah. Uh, again, we'll wait. We'll wait till we get on. You know, but she earned her place in the chair, which I thought was good. Uh, a couple of other comments. Uh, again, doing my internet research. If you're looking for Jillian, you can find her website at njillnear.space. So hmm. she actually has a website. You can see learn more about her and, and what she's been studying. And she is currently working on, and I quote, because otherwise I wouldn't remember this correctly, the additive manufacturing of super alloy cooling holes. Okay, I'm not sure I'd ever want to buy a hole. But it's, well, it's good to know very, that you can very important for those rocket it's, engines. I'm it's sure. important that you can additively manufacture them, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So now, I had... was also taken aback by her mm -hmm. instant statement, which Rob jumped on, that there are aliens and he's going to see them in his lifetime. I respectfully disagree. Um, you could uh, Google the Fermi paradox and talk about that, but we won't, we won't take a lot of time in there. Well, the key thing is she just said aliens and she indicated in the solar system. So I think she was likely referring to finding some sort of life form on Europa, where we have some probes that are going right now, somewhere in the solar system, perhaps on Mars, Europa, Titan, something like that. Not necessarily little green men in flying saucers. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, just the word aliens may have triggered a image in people's minds that were not actually what she meant. Yeah, well, I, it will... We love to see what's going to happen. It's uh, the fact that we are exploring elsewhere in the solar system is very exciting. Absolutely. And life continues to, as they put it in Jurassic Park, find a way. It is stranger than we ever expected. Oh, we live We live in Star Trek. I mean, the fact that we are sitting here generating a podcast that people can search and, uh, and then we then walk across the room to our 3D printer and make whatever we want. We have a little uh, uh, supercomputer in our... Uh, pocket that happens to be a telephone. We live in amazing times. We are both very fortunate as a result. Yes. All right. Next up, this, by the way, we, this had marked three, two competitors in a row who managed to kick out the previous occupant and get in the yes. chair. Mm -hmm. And then came Nick Santo, a day trader slash jewelry designer. Yes. Uh, well, and he described how he's able to fit it into his day. I do hope he isn't overdosing on caffeine. Uh, he certainly looked composed and, uh, and healthy um, and uh, certainly was looking forward to uh, taking things on. Now, the interesting thing with Nick is I actually went and, and looked him up because I thought he was suspiciously handsome. <laughs> like, this guy is suspiciously handsome. It does not seem like he could possibly just be a regular guy. He must have some sort of entertainment industry connection, but I couldn't find it. I think he's just an actual guy who goes around being that handsome. Hey, some of us handsome people aren't in the entertainment business, Mr. Ye, okay? <laughs> well, you know, it just happens to be, if you are in Southern California or that handsome, usually you find something to do along those lines. That's right. 
Uh, by the way, for those of you who are interested, you can find Nick's jewelry at selvajewelry.com, S-E-L-V-A jewelry.com, where he makes jewelry. And you can see these lovely photographs of models wearing his jewelry. Very good. So at so, least he's connected to agencies uh, if he's uh, hiring professional models. You would think. He, did, exactly. he didn't just rely on photos of himself. Right. Now, Nick was really, truly impressive as a competitor. Yes, absolutely. He was fast. He was no nonsense. He tried, he didn't hesitate too much, even when he wasn't sure of the answer. So for example, there was the toss up of North Dakota, South Dakota, where is Mount Rushmore? Yes. And of and course, it, I noticed in that usually Ava answers a response to your answer within one or two seconds. But in this time, there was a manufactured pause where you cut to Rob, you you uh, you cut to Jillian, and then she said it. Um, there's the there's that padding once again. Yes, exactly. Uh, you you know if if I asked a question and then Ava took five seconds to tell me I was right, I would be furious with the clock running. So, I, but then if you look at the clock before he answered and afterward, really only a second took place. It's just that the producers designed a. Uh, suspenseful moment there. Which is the producers doing their job, right? Trying exactly to correct. enhance the reality of, of what's going on. Uh, right. There was also something he did that I thought was very smart on one of the questions, rather than repeating the answers, he just said, lock that in. Right. right? He was puzzling it out. He gave the answer. And then instead of repeating, he said, lock that in, save a little e time that way as well. Exactly correct. Now, this is also where we come back to the memory issue. Mm -hmm. uh, in the memory tower, in this case, he had a square of four symbols, and Ava repeated five items, and he had to repeat it. Now, five is getting into that zone where not everybody can repeat it uh, effectively. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then at the end, after he beat Jillian, Jillian said, well, his questions were easier. Well, in fact, no. No, they weren't. His, me his memory that was... His memory was was harder, uh, and as I I kind of cued into that, and for the rest of the episode, and for what I think is going to be the case for all the questions on, of this type, if you see three bars across, you're looking for for four statements. If you see a box of four things, you're looking for five statements, and knowing that would be a good preparation for practicing for the show. Absolutely, good insight for any potential season three competitors there. And Nick, of course, blazes his way through, despite one or two minor hiccups here and there, manages to get all 10 questions correct, wins $10,000, and does it in 3 minutes, 36 seconds. Which I believe is five seconds faster than Wes Chang's time the, week, the episode before. That's correct. So that sets up a fascinating showdown down the line. But first, we had one more competitor to go through the shoot, Caitlin Chu a student at USC. And Caitlin was, again, very creative, super duper young. I was wondering to myself, is her youth going to trip her up? Is lack of foggy knowledge going to do her in? Uh, I no, smile when you say foggy, Mr. Chris. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> you're right. Uh, on the one hand, it opens her up to a, all of current culture. On the other hand, there's stuff that was before her time. And, you know, the, the Olympics question kind of caused her to hesitate because she, uh, it was not 
long after she was born that the summer and winter, winter Olympics were desynchronized to where the Winter Olympics was in between each Summer Olympics by two years. So That's uh, right. it, was, it was a good question, but she, she persevered. Another thing I noticed about her, virtually all of the contestants use the handles on the chair. I know mm-hmm. I use the handles on the chair because I didn't want to have to worry about being flailed around. But when Wes Chang took his first one, he started out with his hands on his knees. And it wasn't until about the fifth question that he went to the handles. Um, Caitlin, I think, very deliberately kept her hands clasped between her. And she avoided those handles completely throughout her entire run. Interesting. You know, this is the kind of insightful detail that, again, we come to Dr. Ken Franklin for. I have to admit that I'm not sure whether that helped her. I mean, it seemed to me that her performance was a bit shaky. She was too mm-hmm. excited, too emotional, right. uh, too uncertain. All these things were sort of the opposite of what was going on with Nick. And I think that really hurt her because she was having a great run. She knew that she couldn't possibly, you know, uh, actually manage to catch Nick. Right. But, uh, but she was trying to get through, trying to get to all 10 questions because that is worth a lot because those last two questions are worth an additional $6,000, not an additional, you know, $1,000. Right. Exactly. And uh, again, she was too, too young to know what's a DC comics character versus a Marvel comics character. And now, why you know, is she too young for that? Everyone who is immersed in superheroes knows the difference between Marvel and DC. If you are a comics aficionado, not a, right. not everybody is, and again, if you look, if you, unless you're looking at the comic books themselves, the DC universe is very small compared to the Marvel universe on the on the screen, and uh, some would say with good reason based on on the writings of the of the shows, um, but also in the last twenty years, comics have gone through so many iterations where it's an alternate universe and you know back in the 50s and 60s bruce wayne didn't own the daily planet that's correct you know at one point lex luther was instead of being a a two-bit evil genius was the president of the united states so it is a little harder to keep all this stuff straight now it is harder to keep those things straight but it is always the case that you should be able to, if you're a comics aficionado, yes. distinguish between Marvel and DC. And just to, mm-hmm. for those people who didn't watch the show, the question was, Clark Kent works for the Daily Planet, which is owned by who? And the choices were Bruce Wayne, Tony Stark, and Bruce Banner. And yeah. obviously the answer has to be Bruce Wayne, even though Bruce Wayne has not always owned the Daily Planet because he's the only DC figure from the same comics universe. But Caitlin did not know. And she's like, Bruce Banner, that sounds familiar. And so Mm -hmm, she guessed mm -hmm. that and sadly did not get to her 10,000. Although eight questions for 4,000 is still good. Ah, That's a pretty good uh, five minutes work. Now, a couple of additional bits of information about Caitlin. So Caitlin can be found at CaitlinChu.com. So you can look up her website there. And in addition to her work at USC during the pandemic, she actually did something that got her not quite as much television time, but probably a bigger audience. She wrote and published a children's book called Let's Smile from Ear to Ear that was designed to reassure kids about wearing masks. All the proceeds were donated to various charities that she had designated, and they covered this this book on CBS This Morning 
which means that both she and I had our books appear on CBS this morning. That's wonderful. And, you know, I was impressed by the intersection uh, of art and technology that she's studying. Uh, when some of your, ex some of your uh, study exercises are designing theme parks. Uh, that's, uh, again, that's a major that weren't around in the 70s. Yeah, no, and she obviously is enormously talented and just incredibly full of energy. Again, I think she was a little thrown. It is tough to really lock in when you've got this robot throwing you around. That's right. Yeah, but again, it was I, the body language. I don't know if it was because of worry about touching things in COVID nineteen times oh, or whatever. Point. But you know, her hands were touching each other, gripping tightly instead of the handles. I think that the handles are a much better way to stay calm. I mean, I definitely was a handle guy myself. Yeah. All right. So that brought up the showdown. So Wes Chang coming in, trying to beat both his time and the new record time from Nick Santo. And yeah. we learned a little bit more about Wes. We learned that he was a fire artist. Yeah, and little known facts. It's nothing I would be interested in doing. You know, hey, this person put fire into their mouth. I think I'll try that. Not going to happen over here. Well, I believe he's a pretty colorful character in general, so this was very much in keeping with that. And of course, since this was shot just a day later, he didn't have any time to re-dye his hair into a different color. He still had the purple faux hawk. Well, I yeah, I I certainly hope he did. Well, he you know, since he we now know that he didn't win, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't want somebody to completely restyle their haircut between episodes. Yeah. Now let's talk about his performance because I felt that he made his run in an even more time-focused way. He understood he had to really go quickly. And one of the ways that showed up is at least one or two times he vocalized, he started the thinking process before the question ended, which as we know is one of the ways to get a, a march on things. You know, uh, he had the sum of 15 and 13. That is one question where no contestant has ever interrupted Ava. But um, I have to admit, I'm, you know, I was taught in college that speed reading was essential for getting through life. So I can always read the question faster than Ava. And boy, anytime you can do that and get ahead, that's, you know, that can save 30 seconds off a 10, 10 question run. Now, again, as he started falling behind the pace, uh, there was the question, I don't remember exactly what it was, it had something to do with eggs, and I was like, he should have been much faster on this yeah, one. Yeah, there were four Easter eggs, and one of them had fewer red dots. And It should have been, it, so he was, what he was doing, and this is an interesting point about the, so this is the spinning object, and which one right. is different, it's like the classic Sesame Street, one of these things is not like the other, mm -hmm. and this was one where, you know, applying the technique blindly, was actually a detriment. Like if you just step back and look at them, it was obvious that one of them was different. Yeah, again, it depends on inspection. It depends on on how you perceive things. You know, some people have sen true. different sensory sensory integrative processes. And you're right. You and I both noticed the difference right away. But he was a little too meticulous, and I think he was cursing himself a little bit uh, at how long it took him. Well, it took him so that. When he went, and this was the point at which I was literally screaming at the screen. My wife was looking at me like I was insane because he managed to get to question 10 with enough time to win, but he didn't yes. get it, even though it was an obvious one. 
And uh, I was with him in, in spirit. And that last question that actually caused me to make a mistake. Oh, um, really? That's yeah, rare. Um, well, it only takes one. Um, the five-letter word down and a seven-letter word across. Yep. And the down word was a soldier's walking style, which mm-hmm. I know is March. You, right. But, but I did not pay attention to down versus across. So I was trying to fit a soldier's walking style into a seven-letter word. Right. And that I would have crushed me. If I you're trying to think, paying, is it cadence? What the hell are they talking yeah, about? Exactly. Marching? Right, yeah. So uh, if I had looked at the whole question at the start, then it would have been much easier. Yeah. I was literally screaming, at me, March Madness, you have time to win, March Madness. Uh, but he did not get it in time. He did get, you know, 10 questions right. He did get another $10,000. Not insignificant. That last question is an extra $5,500. Uh, $5, so it's really important to get that last one right, even if you exactly miss it. Exactly right. Yep. And no shame, no shame in Wes's uh, approach. And that yep. meant that he got a two day total of $40,000, which again, very, very, re- very, very respectable. Certainly, you and I would always be happy with getting $40,000 out of something. Exactly. You know, I remember the day back in the day when. Uh, a Jeopardy champion would be very proud to get over a thousand in one day's work. But that was back when the, the first five questions were 10, 20, 30, 40, and $50. Exactly. People these days, they look at the board, they're like, oh, 200, 400. They don't understand what it was like. That's right. Those youngsters just don't know how hard it was. Get off my lawn. <laughs> All right. So that brought up Nick to the Circle of Samurai. And this was one where I was like, I've had very high hopes for Nick because Nick had such an incredible performance in his first run. And he was talking with, uh, he was talking with Rob and he was just really self-deprecating, which I thought was very winning characteristic. Oh, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm just lucky. Oh, shucks. You know, we'll see what happens. But then when he went into his run, I felt like he had psyched himself out. Yes, I, I absolutely agree. Um, and he got, but he also got fed some tough questions. The sequence tower had it in for him. First was the question about the pool table and -hmm. the pool queue with uh, Mm -hmm. the order of the width, the length of the queue and the length of the table. Um, that requires a little bit of thought. Um, and then, uh, the second one, um, putting, um, the sequence of all of those jokers, in order uh i did not know jared so oh so i the, had the, no the, yep the jokers was very difficult now right. again with the with the um with the first with the first question you know with the with the pool table i think the biggest thing that tripped him up i mean it is hard you have to think about it a little bit and i was right. guessing on it to some extent i'm like I'm right. picturing the table in my mind and picturing what i've done and i'm like okay, I'm pretty sure that the queue is not longer than the table because otherwise it would be easy to go shoot across the table. Right. And then it's definitely longer than the, the width. So it's got to be width, queue, length. But mm-hmm. the problem is the word pool being repeated. He was being tripped up by trying to say pool, table, width, pool, queue, right. length, pool, table, length. And that itself, the mechanics were tripping him up. Exactly right. Um, 
I will notice though a pattern in all of the contestants this week mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. that they are making a point of saying out loud which order we're going from shortest yes. to longest, smallest to biggest. That's smart. It's it's very smart. And I and as I recall, it was one of the things that was pointed out to us as we were preparing to go on in season one, too. But the yeah. fact that they invested that time into it was was an I thought a smart move. Very smart move. But, you know, again, I think the time pressure got to Nick. I mean, I was starting to, I, he was a little shaky on gridlock. Again, once you get off your pace, mm -hmm. it can be tough to get on because you know the time pressure is on. He was a little shaky on gridlock. He didn't see Scarlet in the word scramble. Like he had right. done fine in word scrambles before, but he, you know, it was just taking longer and the time pressure was on. And you can see on his face, the jewelry designer was ticked at himself for yeah. not knowing shades of red. Yeah. Exactly. And then finally for Jokers, as, as we said, I just thought that the funny thing about the Jokers was it was a compliment to the Batman question that we right. had a couple of episodes back. And I just thought that, again, the tip of the cap to the question writers for coming up with these neat little tie-ins. Exactly. Um, you know, I don't know how many more Batman questions there are, but again, as a, as a person who's written questions, you have to be careful not to bunch them up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's easy. It's easy for one idea for a question to trigger another idea for a question, but you don't, you want to get those spread out when you're creating your pools. Yeah. I will also say that this Joker question was harder than the Batman question because there's a lot of these very similar names. So with the Batman, right. you've got Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, George Clooney, Christian Bale. The names are all very different right. with the Jokers. It's Jack Nicholson. Heath Ledger sort of off by himself, although I think right. Nick was having some struggles with that. Jared Leto, Joaquin Phoenix. I mean, three J names that you then have to really go through and, and, and think about. Yes. Yeah, exactly. No, I, uh, tough one. But again, we've seen for several episodes now that they uh, take the gloves off on the Circle of Samurai questions. Absolutely. So that left Nick with eight questions right out of 10, which still got him another $20,000, which gave him a very respectable one day total of $30,000. I mean, the only higher totals you can possibly get are 32, five and a hundred. So, right. you know, 110. So that was a, a very good performance. Exactly. And, uh, you know, with any luck, we'll see that he'll have calmed himself down and then he can defend his title next episode. Absolutely. So that is it for episode six. Any final thoughts you want to share with the audience? I, I thought it was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I'm continuing to enjoy it, not getting jaded about this series at all. I'm looking forward to next Tuesday. And I'm also looking forward to talking to you uh, after I understand you've got some travel coming up in the next day or so. Yes, as a matter of fact, in less than 24 hours, I will be in the air. I am on a trip to Monaco or Monte Carlo in Monaco, which is apparently a place that every rich person in the world loves because I would talk with people about it and they would say, oh, my God, Monaco is such a great place. I'm going there for work, so it's not for fun, but I've been told it's an amazing place and hopefully I will be able to enjoy it as well. Well, if I ever get to approach the word rich, I might try think about going there. But uh, Disney World's about as close as it can be from my blood. And I'll be going to Disney World towards the uh, middle to end of July with my family. Very good. Well, if you go over to Universal, 
While you're there, you might look in the gift shops for Back to the Future Dice Through Time. Back to the Future Dice Through Time is available in the gift shops at Universal. It is also available in fine retailers everywhere. I've seen it before in Target. I believe, I'm sure they have it in Walmart. Of course, you can order it on Amazon. And once again, that is Back to the Future Dice Through Time. Yeah, it was by Chris Leader, Kevin Rogers, and yours truly. And um, we're very proud of it. Excellent. So just to warn folks, uh, because of my travels, it might be that we won't get a chance to record the recap of the episode until after I return. I'm getting back on the 3rd, so maybe the 4th or 5th of July we'll get it out. But we'll try to get it out before the episode 8 drops. So we'll try to make sure that we don't stack up and and double up. But uh, we'll do our best. Can't promise anything because after all, you're not paying us for this. I'll keep the notepad on for you. Awesome. As always, Dr. Ken, it is such a pleasure. On behalf of the amazing Dr. Ken Franklin, you should look him up at Ken Plays to Grin online on social media. Look for his games uh, as under Dr. Ken Franklin. You can find them on Board Game Geek. Don't forget Back to the Future, Dice Through Time. I'm Chris Yeh, and thank you for listening.